Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello everyone, my name is Manpreet and welcome to this week's Through the Noise podcast, where we put recent developments uh, in a longer term context while also identifying potential opportunities for more nimble investors. Now, you may have heard many investors refer to the US dollar as the greenback. Now, there's an interesting historical reason why. Back in the mid-1800s, money counterfeiting efforts involved taking photographs of US dollar bills and then printing fake money. Now, cameras at the time could only capture photos in black and white. Hence, the back of the US dollar bills were printed in green ink as a measure to make counterfeiting more difficult. So not something I was aware of before you know, this, this podcast myself. But I'm highlighting this little anecdote today because the focus has indeed returned to the US dollar and whether it has peaked. To discuss this as well as equity market technicals, the outlook for income assets, and recent events in the crypto space, I'm joined by Fukien Yap, who will help us understand what all this means for investors. So welcome, Fukien. And uh, look, let's start with the broader market sentiment. Uh, the US dollar and US bond deals seem to have broken lower in recent days. Would you be chasing this improving sentiment in risky assets? Yeah, thank you, Manpreet. Um, while we are cautious about broadly chasing this uh, global rally in risk assets, uh, several speakers from the Fed have already reminded us uh, that the Fed is focused on raising rates, uh, albeit at a slower pace, but they're going to raise rates until they see clear signs of a softer job market and inflation coming down to its 2% target. So the Fed's determination to bring down inflation could cause a recession, and that is the reason to be cautious on risk assets. Uh, however, we have been positioning for a rebound in risk sentiment in Asia-X Japan after China's party congress. Uh, there has been a rapid rollout of policy support after the congress. So Asia-X Japan equities and Asia dollar bonds remain our preferred assets. And we think investors should look at those. And a peak in the US Treasury yields uh, would also support our preference for developed market investment-grade bonds and a diversified income basket especially uh, if we experience a mild U.S. recession in 2023. Uh, now, the key things to watch out for in the coming weeks are, uh, one, how the Fed policy could evolve, and uh, two, uh, policy developments in China. So with Fed policy in the U.S., uh, this week we saw stronger than expected retail sales for October, uh, which suggests consumers remain too strong. And given this, we expect the Fed to hike rates by 50 basis points in December to 4.5%. And the money markets are pricing in uh, another 50 basis points of hikes uh, to a 5% peak Fed rate uh, by May 2023. Uh, if we get weaker US data in the coming weeks, of course, expected rate hikes could adjust lower and support risky assets and vice versa if the data remains strong. So watch out for volatility around the data releases uh, like the upcoming US uh, business confidence or PMI, uh, the job market data like jobless claims, uh, job openings and non-farm payrolls, and your personal consumption expenditure uh, inflation data. And then moving to policy stimulus in China, uh, the 16-point plan to stabilize the property market and the uh, easing in your travel or mobility restrictions, this suggests a coordinated move to revive domestic economic activity. And domestic activity is uh, increasingly important because your slowing growth in the US and Europe drags down China's exports. So in the coming months, we expect a more targeted lending in China uh, towards your advanced technology and innovation sectors, 
uh, elderly care and small and medium enterprises. We have seen some COVID-19 uh, management rules being relaxed, uh, but the rise of new infections suggests uh, that further relaxations are likely to be gradual. But overall, we do believe the measures so far have significantly reduced the downside risk uh, for Chinese assets, and they're likely to help sustain a turnaround in this asset the next uh, 6 to 12 months. Thanks, Hukian. I think that's a great sort of broad overview. Uh, but narrowing this now back to the to the currency markets, does all of that mean the US dollar is set to weaken from here? Yeah, we expect the US dollar to take a pause, actually, or even potentially stage a near-term rebound uh, over the next few weeks. So at the moment, we see the US dollar caught in a tug of war. Uh, we have uh, signs of a decline in inflation have led the markets to price in a slightly less hawkish Fed which has weighed on the US dollar. Uh, now, the USD uptrend has also seen signs of exhaustion, uh, making lower highs uh, since the September peak. But on the other hand, uh, the strong US labor market and the retail sales data we've just seen, they continue to point to a strong underlying economy. And a rising number of Fed members are acknowledging the possibility of a 50 basis points rate hike in December. They also consistently highlighted that the Fed is likely to continue hiking rates over the next few months. And these would argue that the US dollar could get stronger. So from a technical perspective, the USD does look uh, oversold. So this raises the odds of a near-term bounce. And if we get data like the November labor market or inflation data that surprises to the upside, uh, it could bounce even higher. So for the US dollar index or the DXY, uh, we see 104.7 as a key near-term support. And then you've got 107 and 109.3 being the key resistance levels. And one of the key beneficiaries of the recent US dollar decline has been gold, uh, which has benefited from a weaker US dollar and lower US government bond yields. And for gold, uh, we see resistance at uh, 1810 to 1820, with uh, 1725 providing key support. Thanks, Hukien. Uh, you made some interesting points there about uh, about the Fed potentially signal that they aren't done yet. Um, and obviously, you know, and what it means for the dollar. But what about bond yields, right? Because there we've similarly seen a leg lower in the 10-year US government bond yield. And that's raised some concerns that, you know, whether income investors have missed the bus. Uh, does that move in yields and what you described make income assets less attractive in any way? Yes, you're, you're right. I mean, yields have retreated from their recent peaks, uh, but we, we do believe the absolute yield level uh, remains attractive and we continue to favor adding exposure to our preferred uh, high quality income assets. And a few reasons uh, why we think income assets remain attractive. Uh, first, both the nominal yields and the yield premiums for income assets are still well above their long-term average. Case for our preferred developed market investment grade bonds or your DMIG bonds, uh, for example, absolute yields are above 5%. And for our multi-asset income strategy, the yields remain above 7%. And we believe it remains attractive to take advantage of these yields on offer rather than trying to time a specific peak. Okay, and secondly, uh, the valuation measures remain reasonable for the DMIG bonds. Uh, for example, the yield premium over government bonds They've tightened by just 13 basis points, okay, a relatively small amount. And a third, we continue to expect the investment grade, the corporate fundamentals to stay uh, largely supportive. And the DMIG bonds are also likely to benefit if your rising recession risk uh, result in the falling bond yields uh, across the board. 
Okay, so shifting gears a bit uh, to equity markets, uh, we've seen quite a large move in the Hang Seng Index. Uh, you know that that's obviously quite a dramatic sort of range when you look at it. What can we learn from equity market technicals uh, about the Hang Seng and indeed the S and P five hundred? Yeah, thanks. So let me start with the U.S. first. Um, so U.S. equities is a core holding to us. And uh, technically, the S&P 500 has a good support around the 3,600 level. Uh, it has been making bullish higher highs and higher lows pattern uh, since the middle of uh, October. Uh, but it also faces resistance around the 4,100 level. Uh, AsiaX Japan, though, is a preferred region for us, uh, besides the potential for further reopening in China uh, the prospects of a more constructive dialogue between the U.S. and China uh, and the recent policy announcement about the Chinese property sector, uh, these have been positive catalysts. Uh, hence, it's been no surprise that over the past few weeks, uh, Chinese equity markets have driven one of the largest outperformance of uh, emerging market equities relative to global equities since uh, 2009. So the Hang Seng Index, they rose from the bottom of 14,600 to 18,400 in just three weeks. Okay, that is nearly 4,000 points in three weeks. And putting that in perspective, your average monthly range is about 2,000 points. So this suggests a modest pullback uh, could be coming up. But over the last three weeks, the volume in your up days has been three times the average volume uh, this year, while the volume in your down days has been subdued. So this suggests strong buying interest and we think investors uh, could consider buying with the index around the key support level at 16,900. Okay, that is your 61% of Fibonacci retracement between your 14,600 to 18,400. All right. And, and finally, we, we couldn't sort of have a conversation about markets this week without talking about what's been going on in the crypto world, uh, where it's been eventful, if anything. Um, are you worried about a broader fallout uh, from what's going on in, in crypto assets to, to the broader traditional financial markets in any way? Yes, the, the crisis in the cryptocurrency space, uh, we think, can be characterized by two uh, main features. So the first is a symptom of a crisis of confidence, right? Uh, so the loss of investor confidence in uh, several exchanges uh, have led to a jump in withdrawals. And the failure of a major crypto exchange uh, during this run has uh, triggered the second characteristic of this crisis, uh, which is signs of contagion uh, within the crypto asset space as investors sought to either withdraw liquidity uh, from other firms uh, as they anticipate similar failures or counterparty risk. Now, we expect the contagion to broader financial markets uh, to continue to be uh, very limited. And the key reason for this is that the classic channels of contagion, uh, usually your cross-holdings between asset classes or direct counterparty risk, these have been and continue to be uh, very limited between crypto and the traditional financial asset classes. Uh, there is a third possible channel for contagion of transmission, which is via the wealth effect as your lower crypto valuations uh, lead investors to perceive uh, that they have less to invest elsewhere. And uh, that is plausible, but we expect that any impact via this channel to be uh, minimal. And gold also, uh, is another thing to talk about, is often cited as uh, one potential beneficiary, uh, given crypto assets were in the past uh, cited as a potential gold alternative. Uh, however, the correlation between gold and your major crypto assets, such as Bitcoin, remains difficult to discern. Uh, hence, we do not expect gold to gain directly either, 
as a result of your lower crypto asset prices. Thanks, Fuken. And yes, an interesting point on the correlation with crypto, uh, well, Bitcoin and gold, where actually, you know, uh, if you recall, the we've the correlations with riskier assets like small cap equities were actually a lot tighter. So interesting discussion there, but we, we'll sort of take a pause. Thanks again, Fuken, uh, for helping uh, our listeners navigate markets, um, given the events we've seen over the past week. Uh, thank you, listeners, of course. For joining us as always. So just to recap, uh, the key points, you know, Fukien sort of told us about this today is first, of course, that we'd be cautious about broadly chasing the risk asset rebound from here, given on what are still ongoing growth risks. Second, of course, US dollar strength uh, may not be over just yet. Uh, but third, of course, equity market technicals are arguably looking uh, a, a little bit better, especially for the Hang Seng. And finally, income assets. Uh, yields have backed up a little bit, but you know we still see them as quite an attractive opportunity, particularly for longer-term yield-oriented investors. So we'll end it there. Uh, thanks again, and we wish you a successful week ahead. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights. 